1: Let's mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. Very excited with this interview. I think you're going to love it. It actually quite surprised me. Now, I'll be honest, I was a little bit on the fence about doing this one initially. Not because of the interviewee, but because I've done quite a lot of fitness-themed podcasts or podcasts with fitness people. But people seem to be loving those more than many of my other podcasts. So bear with me. I'll tell you his name in a minute. I think you're going to love this. Um, But one thing that's really surprising me is I'm getting a lot of courtship from a lot of these guests. So if you listen to a lot of the interviews I'm doing, I'm getting invited over to America. Uh, This chap here, he invited me over to his house to come and meet some of his real estate friends. Um, I got invited by a billionaire when he came back to the UK to come and hang out with him for a few hours and take him out for burger and lobster. So you'll notice in this interview, he kind of chats me up and asks me out a bit. This is pretty cool. Um, So he is the founder of Spartan Death Races. So Spartan races are extreme terrain marathons. They're known for being some of the most extreme in the world. In fact, he had one race which was the most extreme in the world. But then he learned how to commercialize it. And he does this now for literally millions of people. They've exploded in popularity all over the world. I believe he has something like 200 events in 40 countries across the world. Um, So the chap I'm about to introduce you to is Joe DeSena. Now, we talk a lot about growing his business, scaling his business. He had quite a few years where it was hard for him. And I think that'll inspire you if you're going through some challenge. I think you're going to love this interview. So no more preamble from me. But one thing I will say is we have got loads of interviews coming up. We've got some really interesting, inspiring, huge people, UFC fighters, owner of some of the biggest gym franchises in the world, um, some big celebrities, England rugby captains, you name it, we've got it. So this podcast is really going places. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being a listener and a fan. Um, Anyway, remember, uh, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast and live video. I'm very excited to have uh, Joe DeSena here. Have I pronounced your surname right? I'm very English, Joe. Is it Joe DeSena? Joe DeSena? Joe Joe DeSena. 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 There you go. I got them them both wrong. (laughs) Um, Joe, thanks for giving me your time today to do the podcast. Very grateful. Thanks for having me. And... um, we were thinking of a title that might make uh, a lot of people interested in watching this video and listening to this podcast and we've decided to write death race psycho interviewed live and i want to know why someone will do what you do to your body in your life why would you even do it why would you put yourself to the the limits of endurance
0: so you know i was reading, i was reading an article uh, in the washington post the other day in the us about uh, two young children, an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old boy. You're gonna love this. Back when Teddy Roosevelt was president, okay? Roosevelt had a friend that lived in Oklahoma, let's call it 1500 miles away. And that friend had these two boys, the eight-year-old and the 10-year-old. And he told his boys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a train, I'm gonna go see Teddy. Uh, if you kids wanna come, you ride your horses and meet me there. 1500 miles, eight-year-old and 10-year-old boys. They rode, their, they rode their horses, uh, became like a national thing where the entire country was gripped, reading the paper each day to see how the boys were doing. And um, and they made it, and the reason I bring that up to answer the question is, uh, it was pretty normal for most of our existence on this planet. Let's say we've been on a planet for a million years. For uh, uh, 99.999% of the, of the time we've been here, that's the way we lived. We, we, um, we had some tough days, right? We didn't have, we didn't have food on demand. We, um, I just asked for a tea my wife sent me over a tea. It wasn't like that. Right. You had to go, you had to go climb a mountain to get those those plants. Um, and then to start a fire was pretty epic, right? You didn't have, you didn't have a pot handed to you or even a cup. Right. So, my point is, um, we have it pretty easy, and and so although I'd love to pat myself on the back and say, "Oh, I'm a badass." When you ask that question, like, "Why do you do these hard things?" Are they really that hard? Like, every mile, there's a water station. Are you kidding me? It's not that hard. <laughs> to the gym, there's an air conditioner. It's not that hard. So. You know, the other day I dropped my kids off four miles from the house. told them get out of the car. They said, why? I said, figure out your own way home. Right? My wife thought I was nuts. But, like, how is the kid expected to do well outside the house if you don't get them outside the house? So why do I do these things? Because that's what animals do. And we're animals. You're an animal. I'm an animal. But we forgot we were animals. And so I didn't forget. You forgot.
1: Definitely forgot I'm an animal. (laughs) So is there a certain amount of pleasure out of defeating hard things?
0: Well, um, I think the, the brain and the body is wired to thrive when you do hard things, when you take cold showers, when you sweat. When you ha- Listen, I used to clean swimming pools, okay? You're going to like this analogy. A swimming pool, on average, is about 20,000 gallons of water. Human body, let's call it 13 gallons of water. 20,000, 13 gallons, okay? Okay. Swimming pool has a pump and a filter. Human body has a pump and some filters. If I took a swimming pool, I used to clean swimming pools. I used to clean 700 swimming pools. If I took a, a swimming pool, 20,000 gallons of water, and I threw French fries and coffee and syrup and all the shit we eat and drink on a daily basis, and I put it in the pool and I didn't run the pump and I didn't clean the filter, the pool turns green. So when you ask the question, is there the amount of pleasure you get from this? It's like, I don't want to pay the electricity. I'm running the pump and cleaning, you know, the pool, but I don't want to swim in a green fucking swimming pool. So like, you don't do this stuff. What, what do you expect the outcome to be that water that you're drinking? That's like, that's clean. Right. And so, and so that's, I don't know. That's the way I want to treat myself. I I worked out this morning. I was exhausted. I sweated. I got in the sun. I took an ice cold shower.
1: I feel pretty fucking good. Mm. But you could do that without doing a death race couldn't you i mean death race
0: <laughs> oh the death race the death race is it really that hard i mean let me tell you uh last year the year before the year before i was so annoyed with all these races that had popped up on the global circuit where it's like oh this race is so hard that marathon this ultra marathon and i said guys we invented this we invented hard right when it comes to the modern day Events, so let's go back to our roots and let's throw the hammer down and really show people what hard it is. And so uh, the race started with like almost seventy miles of carrying your body weight up and over a mountain. Pretty hard, but again, if you and I were trying to go across England uh, back, you know, a hundred years ago, is that that big a deal? Seventy something miles? We would have we would have said that was a gift to go seventy something. I was in Fiji, okay. I was in the interior of Fiji. And where there's no televisions, no automobiles, no, no roads. And, uh, it would be very normal for a barefoot man with a machete to go 20 or 30 miles just to get to the next village and say hello to his buddies. So anyway, they carried their weight up and over a mountain. First part of the race. They got to our farm in Vermont. I made them do 3000 burpees after 3000 burpees. They did a 26.2 mile barbed wire crawl. After a 26.2 mile bar well, they did 26.2 mile rope climb and, um, and it took about 72 hours. And so you say, well, Joe, why, why would you do that? Well, let me tell you, everybody that, that completed that course was transformed. And, and again, it wasn't as hard as living a hundred years ago on the planet. So there's it, you know, if you, if you want to turn iron into steel, you got to heat it, you got to pound it and you got to drown it.
1: And so, um, <laughs> I heat, pound and drown people. I love it. (laughs) So when you say people were transformed, what was the transformation?
0: Well, you get to meet yourself. How often do you get to
1: meet yourself, right?
0: You you only meet yourself under really strenuous circumstances. You don't meet yourself on the way to McDonald's in the morning for a coffee. You meet yourself when your back's against the wall and, and you've given everything you got. And all of a sudden... This guy, Joe, says, hey, do 3,000 burpees. I'll see you in the morning. Right? You find <laughs> out what, what you're made of. Are you willing to go the distance? Because don't forget, um, again, uh, everybody should go through some sort of rite of passage. They, you know, if you had a Ferrari sitting in the garage, uh, it would be a shame if it never left the garage. Take it out on the track. See what it's got. Right? Yeah. Run it as hard as you can around the curves. And so that's what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Okay. So um, you said you get to meet yourself. So who are you, Joe? When you meet yourself, who are you? You know, I didn't think I was tough enough. That was my issue
0: growing up, right? Like I grew up in a, in a neighborhood where um, they were all organized crime guys where people going to jail, people getting killed. And as a young boy with my friends and, and, and cousins, you want to be that. You want to have that nice car. You want to roll the cash in your pocket. You want that respect, that nice suit. And, um, I just didn't know, you know, there were some kids that just naturally woke up in the morning, and wanted to punch people in the face. Um, <laughs> I didn't know if I had, I did not know if I, if I, if I had that. And, and so, um, I had to test myself. I think like we all do. And, and could I build my own business? Could I, could I work on wall street? Could I, I don't know, could I go a thousand miles by foot in the snow? And so it was probably for me finding out who I was and what I found, was that um, I'm not the fastest, definitely not the toughest, not the brightest, but I don't quit, don't quit. And so I created that narrative in my mind. And um, I think everybody wants to quit a little less. Everybody like to wake up a little earlier, get a little more done. Mm. That's who I am.
1: Yeah. Okay. Love that. So it seems to me, I'm a big fan. Of turning what you love into what you do and I think it's a myth that you have to sell your life doing a job you don't like just to pay bills I think it's possible for everyone to have the dream and the reality of doing what you love and loving what you do and merging your passion with your profession and you own a you know business and a brand businesses and brands and it sounds to me like it's what you do day in day out anyway so you seem to be someone has managed to merge this passion and profession and monetize what you also love to do yourself so one have i got that right and two if i have how can other people do that
0: well i'll tell you for most of my life um i i again my first my first business was when i was you know pre-teens and and that was just an exploration you know could i even start a business that was exciting what was i capable of doing this collecting money um, my second business was, you know, could I play with the big boys and, and finance on wall street? And, um, during that time, during those, those 20 years, I didn't really know anything about purpose or I just wanted to make some money. I just wanted to, like, I just wanted to get ahead. I want to see, you know, if I could play at that level. Um, when I found this business, which was by accident and I started getting emails from people and having communication face to face with people that said, Hey, you changed my life. I transformed it. I'm back with my husband. I'm back with my wife. I lost weight. I got through cancer. I don't longer do drugs. I no longer drink. Like I thought to myself, "Holy shit! I get paid to do this. This It's unbelievable." And I found and I found purpose. To your point, and um, and let me tell you, you get paid with that. You don't even want. You don't even need the money. It's it. It beats money. You know, all day, every day. So, um, but it's very hard to find your purpose. And I think what happens to people is they sit around and they don't do anything and you hear them say, uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. I'm trying to find my way. And what I would say to those people is, um, you got to get moving, you got to do. And while you're doing, you just bump into things like I did and probably you did. Everybody, everybody that's moving and active and getting shit done, um, should in most cases find something that they really love because, because uh, it's not just about the money. And when you do, it's, it's awesome.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you there, Joe. I think a lot of people, it's called finding your purpose, but they're not looking, they're waiting. Um, and I think it's, it sounds like you started a business pre-teens. So you know Spartan and Death Race and your brands now, they may have been your third try, your fourth try, your fifth try, some people it's their 10th try. So I think you should be looking for your purpose, seeking out your purpose, hunting for your purpose, um, I interviewed the CEO of Netflix yesterday, and that was his sixth startup, Netflix, not his first. I think there's a big myth. Oh, well, if I wait and ask a few questions, my purpose will come to me. No, you could go fucking find it and test some stuff and fail it a few things first, possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree 100%. Okay, great. So um, True North, something I, I've researched you to talk about a bit, or uh, you have a sort of a, a definition of that. What does that mean and why does it matter?
0: So that's really the purpose that that we're talking about here, and, and finding that thing that's going to pull you through life. Um, and by the way, it can change. I mean, in those early years, I was probably looking to measure up. That was my true north. You know, was I tough enough? Uh, the second decade of of my business career was money. My true north was money. How much money uh, can I make? And then. And then you know, I met my wife, found the farm, started having kids, and um, and and then stumbled upon uh, this idea of Spartan, and it became it's it's this. I mean, I'd love to start every board meeting. Uh, my board members aren't always up for this. I'm I'm starting to get them to agree to it, and and which is let's measure our success every quarter in how many lives we changed, not how many dollars we made or lost, right? And and um. And so I think your, your true north can change. Um, one way for people out there to, to try to hone in on what their true north might be, you know, if somebody says, oh, uh, what would you do if it was your last day on earth? Which I think is a cool question. Or what would you do if you had all the money in the world? Another great question. But, but the one I like is, what would you do if you knew you'd fail anyway at it? I, I was failing for 15 years with Spartan. I couldn't get it to work, but I just love doing it. And so that must be my, my true north, right? And so if, you, if you're failing at it, you're struggling. I met a guy the other day came to me uh, looking for some investment who has a, um, an, a very healthy energy drink. And I said, how long are you at it? And he said, about seven years. How you doing? Terrible. I'm losing money seven years. You know, but I'm not quitting. And I, well, there, this guy found his true north. I mean, he loves it. He, he might not have found a place where he's gonna grow his bank account, but he found his true north.
1: And do you think if you keep going north long enough on your true north, you'll figure it out in the end?
0: I think I think so. I think if you're open minded and willing to pivot, I've had a lot of pivots. You probably had a lot of pivots um, along the way. I mean, we started with death race type events, and the reality is, I know this is shocking to you in the audience, but the reality is, not not a lot of people want to do those. And so, <laughs> um, and so, there's not an economic model where uh, you could make enough money or even be sustainable, uh, putting on death races or, you know, anything beyond, uh, what we do today. But we pivoted. We, we, although it was my true north and I loved it and I love changing lives. I, um, I listened to the marketplace. I stayed true to myself, but, but I pivoted and, uh, we changed the name. We, we went to three miles, eight miles and 13 miles. And all of a sudden uh, people were more interested. You go you go from 3000 burpees to 30 and there's a bigger audience.
1: <laughs> yeah, and if you went to 3 then I'd be in as well so <laughs> There you go. Hi, it's Rob. Now I've got a really quick and very exciting announcement to make. So stay with me because I've been getting loads of questions about this and it's quite urgent. So, I launched my Facebook supporter program a few months ago. You pay a tiny subscription uh, and you get new content, meetups, uh, WhatsApp group access, Ask Me Anything Lives and various other new or non-released supporters only content. And what I did about two months ago is we launched our very first challenge. Now, dozens of people made five grand, 10 grand, 15 grand. Uh, the winner made £27,000 in cash, proven cash, not just invoices, cash in six days. So coming very soon is the second Cash Challenge, which I've made eight days and I've updated and improved and I've got a plan for. So if you want to jump in on that challenge and get the plan and be a bit early, you'll need to go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. It's an unbelievable program for just literally a medium skinny cappuccino extra shot with almond milk and not too much milk. It's exactly the same price as one of those. I've got £20,500 plus vat of prizes I'm going to give away, including six-month access to me on WhatsApp as a personal mentorship. So bitly Supporter with a capital R. Great. So now back to the interview. Uh, So something interesting, and you said it twice, I'd love to explore this, Joe is you said by accident. So you fell into Spartan and your brand's by accident. And then you said stumbled upon. What was the accident and the stumble upon that set it all in motion?
0: You know, I, I have a good friend um, who is the CEO of uh, Saks Fifth Avenue. I don't know if you guys know Saks mm. Fifth Avenue over there. Um, he's, done, he's done extremely well. Uh, and every time he calls, he likes to call me at 5 a.m. I think there's very few people up at 5 a.m. And <laughs> I'm, I'm usually doing burpees and I said to him the other day, I said, man, you are so lucky. And he said, you know, Joe, he goes, um, you make your own luck. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, look, if you're, if you're in, he goes, you, you're looking at a football, you guys call it football, a soccer game. Right. And, uh, you see that player that is always at the right place at the right time. And, um, they're just good. Right. And they're just always ready for that moment. And his argument was, um, as long as you're doing that, as long as you're putting yourself in the right place, over and over and over, um, luck happens and to the untrained eye, uh, and even in my case, right? I said it to you, it might look like luck, but it's just it's just you, you, you weren't sitting on the couch. You're yeah. always putting yourself in that right position. Me being up at 5 a.m., if you think about it, uh, unlike his other friends, uh, causes my phone to ring and so now I got a multi-billionaire on the phone with me, right? Like, which puts me in the right place. And I ended up in a meeting with him yesterday in front of other people. And so, um, so it's probably less luck than I described. Um, but with Spartan, the reason, uh, the reason I use those terms is, um, wasn't really looking for another business. Um, I just wanted to put on a race as a fun day. And and then, um, it just got, Actually, what happened was I, I put on a fun race, and I put on another race, put on another race. There were all the death race style races, and people weren't showing up, and I was losing money. And I, I, I had dug myself such a financial—I had put so much money into this hobby. It was—it was, it was uh, irresponsible that I had no choice but to continue to, to get myself <laughs> out of the hole. So, so, and and here's an interesting uh, rabbit hole for us to go down, you and I, because on our farm in Vermont when I met my wife we bought a farm we, we you know started this thing on the farm I thought you know what I'm gonna find entrepreneurs like yourself like me that are young that are hungry and I'm gonna remove some of the obstacles for them I'm gonna I'm gonna take away the mortgage that you or I would have to be you know have if you started your business take away the fact they got to go lease a vehicle take away the fact they got to go buy cows or inventory in the general store and I'll supply all that. I'm gonna make it easy for them and find those hungry young um, entrepreneurs, put them in these positions of running the general store, running the wedding business or, or running the farm. And they're gonna thrive because I took away all the obstacles that anybody else would have had. They all failed. And when I studied it over, over a period of time, like why would they fail? They failed because I think um, part of the reason you're successful is you have no choice your back's against the wall and, uh, you've, bu- you, you've sold your children, you've <laughs> borrowed, right? You did everything you had to do and uh, you have no choice but to succeed. Mm. So, um, uh, my, and my wife's over there. My wife's awesome, by the way, if I don't give her a plug, she's going to hit me with something.
1: <laughs> and that makes her awesome. Does it? <laughs>
0: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and now that we have, she wanted me to point out now that we have successful people in the general store on the farm, running the wedding business, um, to give them a plug, but not, but, but yes, there are great people running those businesses for us, but they invested money soon as soon as we changed the game, the rules
1: and they had to put money in, boom, the business became successful. Mm, well, because there's accountability. Do you think there's accountability? There's a gun to your head. Yeah. Like every,
0: everybody would quit everything if, If there was no consequence to not waking up early, right, and getting to work, who the hell would wake up early? (laughs) But for me, for me, I changed. I changed the story, and and like for you, you don't. It sounds like you don't like burpees and 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 pushing yourself to that limit, which is fine. For me, I changed the story, and so the outcome of not waking up early, of not sweating, of not is worse, right, than than staying in bed. So that's why I, I do it. You haven't gotten to that spot yet.
1: Uh, Not, not in your world, but I love getting rejected every day in my world. You know, and I love reaching out to loads of guests and having them say no. And I love, you know, trying to push my work out to the world and having people turn me down and critique me and troll me and stand against me and tell me I can't do it. So I probably have my own version of three thousand burpees. Right. And I do press ups. I do press ups every day as well. I might not look like it, but I do that as well. So.
0: you look good. You look you look like Christian Bale doing
1: everything. <laughs> right. That's it. We're ending the interview now. We're just going to keep that one. It's going to be that Christian Bale, man. Not an American psycho, though. Not not that kind. Um, cool. So you said you had quite a few pivots. I'm, I'm fascinated by this um, because I think a lot of people think, oh, well, I've got to get my business perfect and then that's going to be my business. And of course, most successful business stories like, Netflix, they used to post DVDs out. No one does that anymore. Um, so what were some of your pivots that enabled you to move to what you are now? Yeah,
0: you know, well, well one was certainly going from that long, uh, crazy distance event um, that nobody wanted. Uh, two, and this is a big one. This is, and a lot of people might not think this is important, but the name, we didn't start with that name Spartan. We started with a name called Peak also a cool name, we had peak.com, but um, that just didn't inspire the fire in in, in everybody's belly, but that word Spartan is powerful, powerful across any country you go to. Um, The obstacles, um, when we first started, we didn't actually build these obstacles of a spear throw and a rope climb, and uh, they were natural obstacles in the beginning. It was kayaking, biking, uh, running, uh, except barbed wire. and, and as soon as we standardized the format, uh, that was military inspired. That that tended to change. But but along the way, all these changes, I was hesitant to make because I'm a human being, and human beings don't like change. And so, I, I it was against my ethos to drop it from you know 350 miles to three. But I, I
1: <laughs> you sound so disappointed that happened. <laughs> I, was, I
0: had a tough time with that one, but yeah. I got to put. And, um, and then the world changed too. It wasn't just, it wasn't just us pivoting. Um, social media started to uh, play a role in the picture that wasn't around back in 2001 when we started this. Um, so that was big. Uh, the fact that the the world was coming out of all these, um, wars in the Middle East and uh, veterans were coming back home, uh, helped us because they, they were seeking community, uh, CrossFit, uh, became really big. So that helped. So I, I think it's not only the entrepreneur pivoting, um, but you got to pay attention to the environment too. And, and um, we got, you know, I hate to say it again, we got lucky that, th- that the environmental changes were, were, were in, our, in our favor. Um, and I just wouldn't quit. You know, I lost money for 15 years. This thing's 20 years old. So I lost money for 15 years. And, and um, who does that?
1: <laughs> I was just going to say, why, why?
0: Who does that? I, um, I just don't like to quit and I, and I, and I loved it. Yeah. My wife just said, I loved it. I, I, I re- you know, and I was fortunate. I had, I still had the wall street business for 10 of those 15 years of losing. So I had the money. Um, but 10 years in, I just said, I just can't do this anymore. And, um, and I was trapped. <laughs> She's feeling, she, you don't need me.
1: Got, <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm just, I'm really just a pretty face here.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I think, um, I just want to stress something you've said, Joe, because I think it's really important. I think there's this fine balance between what you've got a dying, burning passion for and what the world needs. And it sounds like you've managed to merge those two together. The world doesn't need 350 mile races. If it did, you'd be the king of that. And you've had to find a way to still bring your Spartan... Ethos, but put it in a way that the world needs where you can survive as a business. Because if you can't make money, because you can't lose money for 25 years, otherwise you have to wind it up. So at some point, you have to make money. And then I know you love to serve, but you can't serve unless you make money. And if you make money, you can serve more people. And I think that understanding that balance is really important for business owners.
0: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. It's not. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not a luxury uh, to make money, it's a necessity. Yeah. So, so um, and it sucks in some ways, right? You could appreciate this because um, it's that accountability, it's that word you used. It's, it's uh, this business would, any business would be so much easier <laughs> right? if you didn't have to make money.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, but money makes the world go round and, and money also money enables you to grow, further investment you know, bringing in money brings in other people's advice. It means you can scale. It means you can go global. It means you can design better races, hire more people. So I do sometimes think what what I found really interesting was you had these decades in your life where one decade was about, can I level up in business? Another decade was about making money. Another decade was about, um, you know, serving and helping as many people as you can. Well, maybe the lesson could be, well, we can do all those three things at the same time.
0: You could, I just, I just didn't know it.
1: Mm.
0: Right. I didn't, I didn't know that I loved this. Um, I was living in Queens and just across the river was Manhattan and that's where the big boys were playing and finance. And I didn't know, uh, if I could even get there as I rewind the clock and and, and think about the question, you just like, if you can go back in time and I was 10, 11 years old, I I'd skip, I would've combined all three, no doubt about it. Um, but you know what? I mean, Wall Street was fun in its own way to, to, to do that. Um, mixing cement and, and uh, putting down brick patios and cleaning swimming pools from mobsters. That was cool. <laughs> I, yeah. no, that was fun. Yeah. Um, but this is a lot more fun.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the great purpose of conversations like this. It took you three years to figure out the three things leveling up, making money, serving and helping people and finding your purpose. And now people listen to you and it might not take them 30 years. It might take them three years or three months. And that's the, surely the purpose of having these kind of conversations.
0: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Now, now what I would, what I would uh, caution against, I don't know if you agree with this or not, because it's, it's against the business you and I are in is um, it's not good enough to listen to a podcast. It's not good enough to read a book. Um, it's not good enough to go to a seminar because um in many cases, people are just putting off actually doing the work, mm. right? And so um, I, bel- I, I subscribe to fire ready aim because if you sit around and you aim and then you fire and right, like, you never get it done, you never go. And so I'd rather just, just start, get moving and while you're working your way towards that thing, then you read a book, okay, don't sit around you, you you could be one of these uh, perennial podcast listeners,
1: and right, like you just don't it's do on it a podcast, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, true.
0: I have a podcast too. My wife's saying you can't say that when you're on a podcast, but but listen, you can um, say whatever you want. The reason you and I are doing it is people get off their ass and actually do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I I think the majority of people don't do. I mean, listen, it's a very small percentage of people actually start businesses and actually. Um, do things. So um, listen to the podcast on your way.
1: Yes. Right. Uh, on your run. On your run. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote a book called Start Now, Get Perfect Later, which I think is like the, you know, ready, exactly. uh, sorry, fire ready. Yeah, fire ready aim. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I completely agree with you. You're not going to get fit or rich just listening to podcasts and audio books. But there are a lot of people also that aren't educating themselves well enough either and don't realize the great gift of audiobooks and podcasts and following people like you on social media and getting good advice from you from a distance. And the great thing about podcasts is can merge the two because people can listen to you on a run and go a bit faster. I interviewed David Goggins and people are always telling me I listen to that podcast with David Goggins and I run a bit faster and I run a bit longer. So that's also the gift, isn't it?
0: Yeah. But I would say for me personally, and I think for most people uh, going back to if you weren't on the move, right. Um, you could actually get talked out of doing that thing. Like, like when I think back to those three sections of my life, uh, if I had more, not if you existed as a podcaster back then, and I listened to you, I might not have actually started my first two businesses. Right. Because it was certainly not my third business. I lost money for 15 years. I, any podcast I would have listened to would have told me to stop doing it. So I, I think um, too much knowledge could be dangerous, right? But if you start and you got the gun to your head and you're on the hook, then start listening.
1: Yeah, that's a good point because people sometimes do say to me, oh, I've listened to a load of podcasts, I've listened to a load of audiobooks. And yeah, too many mentors, too much advice because it can be conflicting. Someone can say left, some can say right. And yeah, there's definitely a certain amount of you've got to figure it as you go on the go
0: figure it out as you go on the go. I like that
1: Yeah, great so um i heard you lost half a million dollars in an adventure race is that true
0: i did i lost a half a million in the first uh first race we put on british virgin islands 2001 um september 11th happened and we shouldn't have continued but i wasn't going to let that stop me and we put it on we, we took a hit um and then, then it was all downhill from there. I just, I just kept uh, losing money, losing money, losing money, digging a deeper and deeper, deeper hole. In 2010, let's say I was down. Who knows how much? Five million, seven million dollars. I wasn't even keeping track. It was so idiotic. Um, I, I was, um, I was done. I just couldn't, I couldn't spend any more money on this thing. And that's when we pivoted, changed the name to Spartan and uh, change it to an obstacle course race, three miles, eight miles, 13 miles. And I swore to myself, we were only going to invest $50,000. That was it. I would lost too much money. I was going to take one more crack at this under the new name, the new discipline, uh, 50 grand. And you know that first race, like 700 people showed up. I was lucky if in the whole prior decade, I had 700 people race. Right? Wow. So, so I said, oh, wow, there's something here. And then, you know, 1,300 people showed up and then 2,000. But um, being uh, that I wasn't listening to podcasts at the time and I had no knowledge of actually how to build a consumer-facing brand, I uh, stupidly uh, went from putting on a race in Vermont to putting on one in New York. The third race was in, I think, Montreal. The fourth race was in the UK. The fifth race was in Slovakia. And so you, you would never do that. There, there's lots of smart people that have been guests on your show that would say, Joe, you, you build um, a foundation in one location. And you build rings out from that location. But I didn't know that because, again, I wasn't listening to podcasts or reading books. And, um, but what I will say is I lost a ton of money well beyond the $50,000 because of that idiotic move. But what ultimately happened was we built this network effect. And, you know, a couple of years later, I woke up one morning and it was like all of a sudden the world knew about Spartan. And so it was a very inefficient way to get there. But we ultimately got there.
1: I'm fascinated because what I don't want people to think on this podcast um, is you have to be losing money for 15 years before you make money. Um, yeah. I don't think everyone does that. Um, so why what went wrong Obviously, you didn't give up and you turned it around and that's great. But giving yourself advice, how could you not lose money for 15 years? How could you only lose money for three years or two years or a lot less time? What, what could you do differently?
0: I just want you to know how disciplined I am before I answer that question. I, am, I have a bowl of like a veggie soup next to me that I have not touched. <laughs> that I'm just smelling it and I want <laughs> it, but I'm not touching it because you're such a good um, host. So, Thank you. So, do you, um, you want to have some now? No, 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 no. I don't want Not- to eat on the show. I don't want to be disrespectful. Okay. So um, I would say if I had to do it all over again, first of all, this is the most important thing for people to listen to is I was distracted. I had a, a main business that I was running my, my, where I was earning my income, the, the wall street trading firm. Um, you can't, you can't you can't split yourself. If you're going to, if you're going to do something, you got to do it. You know, I got this mantra now. I wish I learned, Actually, my mother was preaching it 40 years ago. I just didn't listen to her. Like when I close my eyes and I go to bed, this would be great for everybody. As I say to myself, you know, if you're going to sleep, sleep, and and I don't let my, my mind run all around. I just I say, if I'm going to sleep, sleep, and if I'm going to do a podcast, do a podcast, right? And if I'm going to read, read, and if I'm going to eat, eat, and I'm not great at it, but but I think the lesson there is, um, if I was going to put on adventure races and 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 Spartan races or obstacle races put on adventure races and obstacle races. Don't be running a, a business on wall street and doing all these other things. I was, I had the farm, the general store, the wedding business the, like, so I was completely distracted. The business only got 10% of my time. So uh, in retrospect, I deserve to lose money. Uh, number one, uh, number two, um, I hadn't, uh, you know, I, I, I reversed my entire statement earlier. I hadn't gained any knowledge. I didn't listen to any podcasts or read any books. Right. <laughs> Uh, But, but they, you know, books certainly existed back then, but the podcasts were not as popular. You couldn't consume information as easily. Um, uh, Three, which is part of number two is um, I didn't seek out uh, somebody who had built a consumer faith. You know, sometimes when we're successful in a business, we assume that we're successful at everything. So I was successful in the pool business. I was successful on wall street, but um, that doesn't mean I should be successful at this. So like, I should have sought out, uh, I should have hired somebody that had done this before, And, and um, right? Uh, but because of number one, because I was distracted and it was just a side thing, I probably didn't want to invest in this thing. I didn't take it seriously um, enough. Uh, I never, you know, I never really put pen to paper. Number four, I never really got a giant whiteboard out and said, what the hell is the strategy here? What's the goal? What's the size of the market? Is there 5,000 people that would do this stuff? Is there 50,000, 5 million? What's the size of the market? And again, because I was distracted and I wasn't I wasn't focused on it. Um, I'll tell you the fifth one, the most important one was, I had too much money to burn. Like, like if you think about it, right? I, and that's why I don't like raising money. Uh, a lot of people, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but they go out there and they raise a bunch of money and you get sloppy.
1: Yeah, I do agree with it. I think that staying lean teaches you good process. Um, there are many other resources than cash out there, like hustle, like leverage, like contacts, like social media, like collaborations. Uh, I, I teach people how to buy property, and I didn't. I've got quite a few hundred properties, and I've never put a deposit down for one of them because I, I did. Because I, did, well, I didn't start with any money, so I didn't have a choice. If I'd have had a two hundred or three hundred grand, I'd have spent it on property and made all the mistakes. So yes, yeah, sometimes having money is a curse because you just rely on the money as your only resource. Whereas if you don't have money, you have to rely on other resources. And you'll see with what you do, human beings are very resourceful when they have to be.
0: I love, you know, what uh, it's so simple what you just said. And clearly it was on my mind, but I haven't uh, verbalized it that well. So you're giving me an idea because we're working on 2020 budgets right now. And um I need to go back to my teams, uh, certainly my marketing team, where we've got a giant bucket of money, which was, even, which was even a bigger bucket of money until I cut it back. Just to give you an idea, our marketing budget, I cut back by, um, just doing the math here quick in my head, by $8 million, just on paper to say, hey guys, you have $8 million less next year to spend. And based on the sentence that you just threw at me, I'm going to go back to them when I hang up with you. And I'm going to say, guys, I want you to show me other resources like hustle, mm. right? Like this, like that because in the early days we didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't have that kind of money to spend on marketing, but you figure it out. And, and so I like that a lot. And I think people out there listening or watching this, um, you know, I, I love being under the gun now, you know, there's a, there's a flip side to that. The flip side is, um, if you don't have enough money, you might not build infrastructure and, and so forth. But, um, that goes both ways, right? When I think back to our early days with Spartan, I certainly I should have had a CRM, certainly I should have built all the uh, proper uh, infrastructure, technology, etc. And I'm in technology debt right now. Um, but the other side is uh, we didn't really know what we needed. You know what I mean? You find out later uh, what you need. So, by the way, I know I'm talking a lot. I apologize. But, but um, I've met a, a bunch of property guru um, successful people like yourself recently. Um, I think we should get all you guys together in one place. You're invited to the farm. We should have like a, I don't know. What would you call it? Like a, a syn- almost like an organized crime property uh, syndicate.
1: I'm like, in.
0: I'm in. We'll, we'll let's come. Do
1: that.
0: Yeah. I'm in. That'd be the reason it's, intri- it's interesting to me is because my dad was doing what all you guys do back in the 70s. He ultimately failed. Uh, he crashed and burned in the late 80s, early 90s when the property market took a dive. And um, and so I've got it in my bones. I used to go around and collect rents for him. I saw him get properties repossessed by the banks and interest rates at one time. It was just a different time. Um, so
1: I'd love, I'd let, we should pull
0: that off. We should do that.
1: Okay, let me know when and where. I'm over. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, I'd love to get a few of your business lessons. I know you're most known for the the fitness and the death race and the Spartan side of it. But obviously, you've grown a very successful business. And I've got a lot of people who are in the fitness business that follow me, but more people who are entrepreneurs. Before I do that, uh, and I'll, I'll do my own research, and I'll put this in the intro anyway for you, Joe. But could you just give us a little bit of top line about your companies? Maybe the turnover, the com- the countries you're in, the pe- the amount of people that do a race every year? Cause I don't think people get how big uh, scale your companies are.
0: Yeah. And Spartan, which we're talking about Spartan. Yeah. 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 So Spartan is, uh, now it's 45 countries. It's, um, 275 events. It's, uh, 1.3 million people uh, per year go through uh, the system There's six and a half, 6.6 6 million people to date have done uh, a Spartan race. And then the ancillary, uh, revenue sources, as you could imagine, or merchandise uh, sponsorship, uh, we're getting into nutrition. I told you, uh, I told you about Spartan tea and stuff. Um, uh, podcasts, there's no, we don't, you probably make money with a podcast. I don't make any money because I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we write books. I don't make any money with books. Um, I haven't figured any of that stuff out. Um, but, but really, really it's, it's race entries. It's merchandise sponsorship, um, and, and some nutrition. And, and then the big one I'm missing the big hole in, in our business is training. Like you, you, I think from the outside, you would say, Hey Joe, you should have a massive training business, right? Orange theory, soul cycle, all those guys, um, should not be as big as Spartan because of our footprint globally. I just, we just don't have time uh, to get to it. So we're actually talking to a bunch of potential partners to help us. I know exactly. I know exactly what a Spartan gym is. Uh, physical gym should look like, and I think it would blow people away or blow their minds. Um, I just don't have that. how many things can I do? yeah now, a typical person will spend you know a hundred a uh, hundred to one hundred and twenty five dollars to sign up for a race, which is too too cheap quite honestly i mean you're gonna sign up uh for London marathon New York marathon you're probably gonna pay two fifty and Ironman. you're gonna pay seven fifty and and I'm not saying this uh this is not hubris when I say this, but like the experience you get with us uh, dwarfs that and, and to put on a Spartan race for us to build a course with six tractor trailers on the side of a mountain while it's raining right anybody out there who's done a kitchen renovation I bet you've done a couple of them uh, imagine doing like 30 kitchen renovations on the side of a mountain while it's raining because that's what we do <laughs> <laughs> and and we've got trucks and bulldozers and and backhoes and forklifts and we got to make sure everybody's safe and I got I got a thousand volunteers I have to manage that show up to, to help pull this whole thing off. So a hundred to $125 is like completely mispriced. Um, why,
1: why don't you put your prices up then?
0: You know, part of me, part of me is the mission, right? We, uh, here, I, I, I am saying I want to change a hundred million lives. Um, the other part of me is I, you know, Ironman's been around 40 years, New York marathon, Tokyo, they've been around forever. Um, I don't know if the market's ready to pay a little more, but but oh my god, my life would be easier if everybody paid five dollars more, <laughs> ten dollars more. It but, would I mean, be well, a hell of a lot easier.
1: What's five dollars more? That's what four percent, three four percent. Well,
0: well I, I, I just do do the math this way, right? Five dollars more one point three million is like six and a half uh, million dollars. So um, it would certainly certainly pay to feed my parrot and. Uh, <laughs> Do you, yeah. do you think,
1: do you think you'd lose any of those people if you put your price up
0: $5? Yeah, I don't, I don't have, um, the price elasticity yet, uh, on the brand, which is shocking because the brand name is 2,500 years old. Um, but you know, like I said, New York marathon has been around 40 years. And those early, those first decades, uh, for marathons or Ironman, those were considered freaks. Those people, it was not, uh, as sticky as it is today. And um, and so I just think we need more time.
1: Yeah,
0: I need to be on more podcasts like this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, All right, cool. Um, Do you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to say it, Joe, Um, because I didn't think it was my right to say it, but I'm going to say it. Um, I I think you should put your price up five dollars. I think you should seriously consider that because I I don't sitting here with your brand um, and your mission and your passion about it. Do I think someone would Oh, yeah, I'm in at $125, but I'm not in at $130. No way are they going to turn that down. And it, it, if you're saying my life and business would be a lot easier if I had $6, $7 million, and I guess you're probably going to reinvest a lot of that, then you get maybe get to re- uh, reach your um, 100 million users a bit quicker.
0: Well, what we would do if we did that as I listen to you is I'm going to put a picture of you, right, that extra five that I'm going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. $5 charge after you. We have a business guru out of the UK that recommended this extra $5 charge. If, if you're pissed off, get in touch with him.
1: <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it. I don't care. I, don't, I live in England. I don't care. And, then, and you've got a full guy as well if it all goes wrong. I want you
0: to raise rents by $100 a month.
1: Ah, but that's, that's a much bigger percentage. I'd, I'd put rents up 5% a year. Sorry?
0: What's your average rent?
1: Oh, on, on a single dwelling, maybe 800 US pa- uh, English pounds a month. So what's 4% of that less? Yeah. It's yeah. not 100 quid, is it? It's a it's few pounds. I, I think yeah. I, I'd probably aim to have rents put up minimum 3 to 5% a year, 5% a year, probably try. Here's the thing as well. When, when you put price up incrementally, it's less of a shock than when you wait a few years and then put it up a lot.
0: Yeah, I would love if I could go up 5% a year, um, that would be, that would be, the other thing is we're extremely generous. Like I tell everybody, all your audience, by the way, if anybody ever has a money issue, if that's the reason they're not, they're not doing it, just send me an email, right? Joe at Spartan.com. I'll give you a free race. Like it's never, um, that's not the issue, but Um, I I hear your advice and uh, who knows, some changes might be coming. So if the global community is furious and they want to lynch me, I'm giving them one of your 100 addresses.
1: All right, then fine. Yeah, do it. Um, I don't give advice. It's suggestions, not advice. (laughs) Um, I'm glad I said it. It's out there. Um, Because actually, I wouldn't say if I didn't believe it. So, um, okay, so you've got a few income streams. I'm I'm a big believer in having multiple streams of income. I'm not a believer in doing 58 things and being good at none of them, but I'm a big big believer in multiple streams of income because I believe that if you have one income stream and it gets disrupted or you don't wanna do it anymore or you get fired. And so was that an an intentional thing, the merchandise, the sponsorships? Are are you thinking I need multiple income streams?
0: It's so funny. Um, I was really fortunate. I don't know if you had this in your household as a kid, but um, my dad, my dad was way ahead of his time. I'm not just saying it because he was my smart guy. Tons of real estate. You know, for for a Queens guy, you'll appreciate this. Back in the late '70s, '80s, he had about 16 million dollars, 17 million dollars in real estate. Wow, a big deal. Yeah. back then. Right? Um, same kind of thing, levered up, um, and then everything went south. And and the reason it went south was uh, he had one client in his business, that was his cash flow business, which was air freight, one client. IBM was his client and, and he used to talk about it at the table, at the dinner table. And, and I really absorbed it, which was you can't just have one revenue stream, right? And it didn't mean anything until he lost it. And when he lost it, that sentence really became powerful. And, and then he couldn't fund the mortgage payments on the houses and uh, all the redevelopment he was trying to do. And so one by one, he lost all that property. And, uh, another rule he had, you'll appreciate is, um, the house you live in, you should never have a mortgage on. And that was his rule. And if he didn't have that, he would have been out in the street. So it was a good thing. Good thing he did. He had done that. And, um, and so I think by design, certainly in any business I've built, I've tried to, uh, at, at the very least have, have lots of smaller customers rather than one big customer. I've tried to have multiple revenue streams rather than one revenue for, for for those reasons, for what you're saying. But I love what you said because it, it also creates some distraction. What do I focus on today? Do I focus on sponsorship? Focus on merchandise? Do I focus on race revenue? Um, are you, I'm getting a little feedback. You guys hear me? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, I would say it was by design It's part of my ethos because of what happened with my dad. Uh, but it's also logical. I mean, if I've got 1.3 million people coming through our, our gates every, every year um, and they're saying to me, hey, Joe, how do I eat? How do I train? What do I wear? Of course, I should, uh, I should satisfy those, those, uh, those needs.
1: Yeah, great. Um, and, and I think I interviewed Ed Milet, uh, we had a good time together. He's a great guy. And he said what you do is you build one income stream and you focus on that and then you find the kickoff revenue streams from that. And that sounds like that's what you did. You built your race and then you've got the additional supplemental streams from it.
0: 100%. Mm. All
1: right, cool. So um, you've been in business 20 years. You must have learned a load of stuff. So hit us with it all. What, what have you learned in business over 20 years? Well, um
0: Here's what I would say. When I was very young, uh, my first business was started um, because my, as my father was losing uh, money and houses and things, my neighbor was the big boss of one of the organized crime families. And he saw this going on in my family. And he said, Hey, why don't you clean my pool? I'll pay you $35 a week. And he, the most unlikely guy gave me some great lessons, which were, if you're going to show up at eight o'clock, you better be here at 745 right? On time is late. Now we hear that in podcasts and books and social media these days, but like coming from this guy, it was a little more powerful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number two is um, if you're going to clean the swimming pool, you should also straighten up the lawn furniture and clean the shed, even though I'm not paying you for that and make yourself invaluable as a service provider. So when I come home and I know you were here on a Saturday morning, I'm like, holy shit, this kid, he's unbelievable, right? He goes above and beyond. Um, so I did that. And third, which which may or may not um, make sense to you, he said, never ask for money, don't have your hand out. A lot of people have their hand out and they're asking for money in advance of doing the job or, or you just sense that as a, as a potential customer. And he said, don't worry, you'll get paid. If you do a great job and you're invaluable and you show up on like, you've already checked all those boxes, you will get paid. And by the way, if nobody pays you, I'll make sure you get paid. And there were many instances over the the following ten years where I had some issues with people, and all I had to do was mention his name, and I got paid. <laughs> so, um, so those three those three were big lessons. And then, and then when I went to Wall Street, um, you know, I think I took some of those neighborhood lessons to to finance, uh, and then expanded on them. And so, um, one 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 way for the entrepreneurs out there to really crush. There's probably some restaurant in in the town or city you live in that is impossible to get a table in, right? Like you just can't get a table there, and so you go to that ta- that that restaurant and you start taking care of the the maitre d' or whoever is out front. You get to know the owner. It might take a few months, and you make sure that you always can get a table at that restaurant. And whether you're impressing a banker because you need a loan for a building, right? Like if you've got a table at the hardest restaurant to get in, like you've got uh, tremendous credibility and goodwill. So uh, I did that in New York. That was a neighborhood thing that I was able to use for, for wall street. But then, then what I figured out was, okay, that's cool that I'm spending time with, with people that can pay me a lot of money, like customers at restaurants. But what if, what if I do like hot yoga with them? What if I go run across a desert with them? What if we train together and I quickly figured out that the bonds that I build with those people doing hard things are much, much tighter bonds than going to dinner or having some drinks. So, um, and then I used to tell, I had, I had 50 uh, traders on the, on the trading day. I, I created a laminated, I'd be arrested for it now, but I created a laminated piece of paper on how, how they could all become incredibly successful. And, um, One of it was like, if you, like, if you have customers um, that pay you a lot of money or can pay you a lot of money and you're not with them on Thanksgiving or you're not with them on uh, uh, Christmas or or the holidays, like your competitor probably is, right? Like like you need to be with these clients 24 seven and and be inseparable and become their best friend and not in a superficial way, legitimately make them your, like, our customers at that time could pay us three to $5 million a year. Right. So like if you, if you say to yourself, Oh, well, this is family time. Okay. That's great. Then don't, don't complain when you're not doing a lot of business you your confederate is because if you're, if you're trying to do business with somebody that could pay you three to $5 million a year, you better be with them 24 seven. Um, so that was, that was the big lesson, um, coming out of wall street. And then, and then on this business, um, I think the big lesson is authenticity. I think, I think when I look at uh, Spartans competitors over time and why they failed and why we've continued to thrive, I think um, the fact that I wasn't doing it for money and I was really doing it to change lives comes out in the brand. And I think that's why people are attracted to this brand and have a great name Yeah, spend figuring out the name of your business.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I, Spartan's definitely a level up, isn't it, from peak, if you think about just the oh word. God.
0: I mean, I, I know you guys over in your country love Richard Branson, but, but Spartan crushes Virgin.
1: Yeah, but Virgin, and, it does, but Virgin's still good. Virgin's
0: good, but I'm just saying Spartan's here, Virgin's here.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I have to take the hat off to you on that one. Yeah, Um Cool. All right. So I've got one big question and then a few little quick fires. So we're probably coming towards the end, Joe, if that's okay. Um, Okay. So how do you stay motivated? Everyone wants to know this. And uh, what's your take on how do you stay motivated?
0: Number one question I get, Joe, how do you stay motivated? I'm not motivated. And um, I say to myself, you know, what would the average person do? I don't want to be average. (laughs) Right. Like I I literally play that. Like, I I think people think, you know, there was this time I went to one of our death races down in Mexico and I showed up, it was like 11 o'clock at night with my flight and there was a fire going and, and my staff was around and there was a young, you know, 15 year old kid who had heard of me and just wanted to be around it and wanted to meet me. And, um, I stayed around the fire for about 30 minutes. I was like, guys, I'm exhausted. I'm going to bed. And apparently when I left that fire, the boy said, to the folks working for us, like, Oh my God, he's nothing. Like I thought, like he's, I, I thought he never sleeps. I thought he does burpees all the time. And, <laughs> and so, um, and so like, I'm just like everybody else. And, and the only difference is, uh, that I say to myself, like at, the, at those moments when I'm not feeling it, like what would the average person do? And, and I don't want to
1: play average. I want to,
0: I want to play, um, at, at an Olympic level.
1: Yeah great thank you so um the best advice you've ever received can you think of it
0: i mean not, uh, the best advice i ever received that you might not be able to apply um to your life if you're listening or watching this um was to leave the neighborhood and and to go to manhattan and 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 take a job in finance which i guess the way you would apply that to your life is um to leave the shore don't be afraid to leave the shore and sail away. Um, a lot of people are very um, trapped. They, they, you know, figuratively trapped. And, um, you, know, you know, lots of great things happen. Listen, you might drown out there. You might not come back, <laughs> but you'll have a good
1: time for a while. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Joe, because um, obviously social media makes it different now. But I, I was an artist before I got into sort of maybe real business, if you like. And I knew in my heart I needed to be in London because that's where all the art was and that's where all the art buyers were and the Russians were buying art like No Tomorrow and all the, you know, the sort of modern artists, which is more my ilk. And I live in Peterborough, which is 55 minutes on the train and I just didn't go to London because of fear and just stayed in my comfortable hometown. And I, I gave myself all these excuses why I didn't go to London. I didn't enter my own competitions. It was 55 minutes on the train and I didn't even leave my city and just because of my own ego, maybe, or whatever. And you saying that just, yeah, get out there.
0: Leave the shore. You know, there's a, there's a comedian, I forget who it was, but like 20 years ago, uh, he would joke about, it's a terrible thing to joke about, but in Ethiopia, right, they didn't have much food and he would say, I just don't get it. Why don't they move to where the food is? And so if you're an artist or you're, you're uh, in the property business or whatever, Um, Why wouldn't you go to where all the people, like
1: go to where the business is? Yeah. And it's easier now than it ever ever was, I think. Easier, quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what's the worst advice you've ever received?
0: Worst advice I ever received? That's a tough one. Um, I guess I'm such an optimist. Um, I don't don't even know if I received it. You're
1: thinking about this one.
0: (laughs) I don't even know. I, I'm, I'm stumped actually with that one. Could we come back to that one? I got to think.
1: I like, I like the ones that stump people. Someone said yeah. that to me once, Rob, I don't remember all the bad advice. So how would I know? And I thought that was quite a good answer. So, okay, we'll come back to that. We'll give you one more go. Here,
0: here's the worst advice I ever got was, um, Turkish Oh yeah. I ended up in a Turkish prison <laughs> prison, but that's not the one I was thinking of. But <laughs> the, the one I was thinking of was, um, I was told by my staff and my team um, to, to shut Spartan down. Like it was ridiculous. We were burning through too much money, and um, and that was the first bit of bad advice. And then fast forward a year or two, and I was I was wildly spending on digital advertising. Wildly spending, and uh, because I had a gut, I had a gut instinct. I didn't have any actual data. I didn't know what I was doing. And um, my entire team created a coup, and they were just going to all quit if I didn't stop spending but I wouldn't stop. So I think, I think it's, I think it's, um, it's hard when you're paving the way down a new road, it's hard for people around you to uh, buy into it. And, and their instinct is to go the normal route. Right. I think that was some guys.
1: And you've got to tell us what this Turkish prison, uh, Turkish prison thing is that your wife just said, you have to, you can't leave us without that.
0: I, um, I went to Turkey. No, I'm sorry. I wasn't, it was, um, where the fuck was I? Um, Hungary was a, a Hungarian prison. I was in Hungary. I don't know, 20 years ago. And some of my buddies from wall street, we were all meeting there. And one of my friends, uh, was arriving five hours later. It was early morning and we went to the Hungarian bathhouse, house where it's supposed to be amazing, and these salt baths, and you get massages, the whole thing. And I got there, and don't forget, I had a background in cleaning swimming pools, so we went in there, I was like, this is terrible. Like, this, the water's dirty, like, I'm not sitting in this place. So I, we left, and it was eight o'clock in the morning, we were waiting for our final friend uh, to fly in, and we had nothing to do, and so we stopped in this little bar, restaurant. All of us ordered a beer. I don't even like beer. <coughs> 45 minutes later, they gave us the tab and they charged us like hundred dollars a beer. And I said, I'm not paying, I'm not paying hundred dollars a beer. <laughs> um, and the, and the waiter got in my face and then the owner came over and I said, I'm not paying it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not some idiot. And uh, they locked the doors, literally locked us in the place. <laughs> and um, some uh, police showed up and it was a scam and they arrested us. Wow they put us put us in prison <coughs> and they kept us there from uh it was ten a m till about ten p m about twelve hours and my friend my friend was uh, begging me can you just pay can we just please pay <laughs> we're not we're not fucking paying <laughs> so um ultimately they let us out but that was um i don't there, there's no there was no advice out there no, that, that was that was know, that, that know, was an idiotic know. move on my part no, that <laughs> No, don't, don't go to a Hungarian prison.
1: Right. No. Um, sensing, is there a bit of stubbornness sometimes in you, Joe? Is that a fair assessment?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, the stubbornness, right, kept the uh, Spartan mm. predecessor alive 15 years. So I'm definitely uh, overly stubborn.
1: Yeah. Okay, so we've got three more quick ones. Is there one thing in the world that you think is really wrong that you'd like to change? Yeah,
0: I'd really love to change this whole environmental thing. And and I I got to put the uh, my money where my mouth is. Um the, the plastics uh drive me nuts. I mean, we're not great at home at uh recycling. And um I just read an article recently about uh some scientists from Australia went to a, an island off Australia and they found 970,000 pairs of flip-flops that had washed ashore of this small island. 970,000 pairs of flip-flops. Yeah. So under the sand or whatever. So I think it's a train wreck, right? Right. This is a train wreck. we got to solve that.
1: Um, So this is a new one we're asking, just a bit of fun to figure it out, just to see who likes who and see where it goes. Is there one person you reckon I should ask to be a guest on this show? Is there someone that's inspired you or just someone you think, he'd be great for Rob's audience, anyone you'd recommend?
0: Yeah, I would. I I would say first choice is uh, Shackleton. You can get him out out from the grave. It would be amazing.
1: Okay, I and, won't write him down then.
0: <laughs> and The second one is um, Barry Hearns. He's in your neck of the woods.
1: Barry Hearns, the boxing promoter.
0: Boxing promoter. Yeah,
1: we've already interviewed him. Oh, uh, he's the best. He is. He is fantastic. He's the, <laughs> the biggest charmer. He he was brilliant. Yeah, we've already got him.
0: Yeah, I got. I got one for you. Um, I got the equivalent of Barry Hearns in the U.S. Yeah. He's a very dear friend of mine. His name is Jimmy Binns, B-I-N-N-S. Send me an email afterwards. I'll give you his phone. I don't want to give you his phone number on online here.
1: Okay, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. All right, we'll check him out.
0: He's literally the American version of, of Bins, and I'll, I'll even give you the que- – I'll, I'll uh, give you the questions to ask him. He won't even know that I helped you out.
1: Game. I'm game. <laughs> All right. Uh, and – this podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. We like to find people who we think are interesting, disruptive. Um, what does that word mean to you, disruptive?
0: I just think it's going against the grain, right? And I've been disruptive my whole life. I, um, I just naturally go against the grain. I, just, I guess it's too easy uh, being a <laughs> lemming, right? Yeah. To go the other direction.
1: And then you've got some tea there and some pills and some books, so... What what is it you're um, you'd like to promote at the moment, and then also where should we follow you, Joe?
0: Cork, can you? Get the tea bag? I don't know where it is. Hang on, I'm going to get you the tea bag. I'm going to show you the tea. By Joe, the what, way, what's um, the tattoo
1: on your arm? Does that, does that have a meaning? Oh, uh, that, yeah, that's my mom's.
0: Um, here, this actually for your your audience. Um, when I was on Wall Street, I was. Uh, again, when we go back to that laminated piece of paper on how. To build relationships with your customers that are unbreakable. My message was: if your customer likes to play football, you play football. If your customer likes to ride motorcycles, you ride motorcycles. Like that's the deal. If if you want to get uh, to the top level in that game, uh, we were at an Italian restaurant in New York, in uh, Florida. Uh, I hadn't done what I told everybody in your audience to do, which was I, I didn't have the ability to get a table on time. We were standing online trying to get in, which was embarrassing. It was costing me a little friction with the relationship next door or a couple of stores down from this restaurant that we were trying to get into was a tattoo parlor. My customer having one too many drinks said, Hey, we're going to get tattoos. I I had about 22 seconds to decide what I was going to get because I was going (laughs) to, I was going to take a tattoo. So that's my mother's, my mother's name in um, the Mandarin character. Um, that was, that was to help the business, but, but also it's cool. That it's my mom's name on my arm. So uh, ultimately uh, everybody won in that deal. My customer won, I won and my mom.
1: <laughs> That's a cool story. I like that. And yeah, what yeah. have you got? Have you got, um, what are you promoting at the moment? Yeah.
0: So the tea, the tea, check this out. Um, you go on our shop page, you'll find this tea. I think, I think if you buy some, we make about three cents. So it's not, this is not a commercial enterprise. <laughs> But this tea gets picked um, off the mountains of Sparta. And I only learned about it a year ago. And when I asked, like, what are they picking up there at 2,000 feet up in the mountains? And he said, uh, here's the deal. For like 2,500 years, they've been picking this. This is Hippocrates. It was Hippocrates and Socrates tea. And after they drank it, they would take the uh, boiled leaves and rub it on their bruises and cuts. And it translates from Greek... To English and it says he is of iron. So I quickly said uh, we will take the entire year supply <laughs> of Spartan tea. We put it in bags and we get it out. Um, we get it out to our community. So uh, let me know if anybody wants any tea. And where where and can then, we
1: go, Joe? Where can we find that? What's the website?
0: Yeah, go to go to the Spartan Race uh, shop page. Um, I don't know exactly how to get there, but you guys have figured it out. Yeah, uh, check out this pill. This pill is basically the ground-up tea we've been experimenting with. And um, because the idea is when you uh, kill a plant, when you boil it, when you cook it, it doesn't have the same uh, nutrients as when it's raw. So uh, this this is ground-up, fine powder, and um, it's unbelievable. Energy, focus. Uh, you can't buy these yet, but they're coming. Um, and and uh, you're gonna want some because uh, my everybody in the office I've been giving these to is literally
1: lining up in the, I need more pills. I feel like it. <laughs> <deal. laughs> cool. And then, um, uh, where can we follow you on social media? Uh, I go to real
0: Joe DeSena, follow me on Instagram. I, 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 I held out for, a, you know, as long as I could, I didn't want to do the whole social media thing personally. I was going to be the guy that chopped wood and carried rocks in the back. And, uh, I don't know, six months ago, I set up an Instagram page and uh, now, now I find myself doing videos and apparently it's uh, it's fun and cool. So,
1: Great. And real as in R-E-A-L-J-O-E-D. And is that D-I-S-E-N-A? D-E-S-E-N-A. Yeah. D-E-S-E-N-A. D-E-S-E-N-A. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And then um, you've got some books as well, haven't you? Is it, is it Spartan Ups, one of them?
0: Yeah. Spartan Up was the first book. uh, Spartan Fit and um, Spartan Way. Uh, You could see the consistency there with the word Spartan. (laughs) Um, But uh, all have done, knock on wood, all have done well. Uh, If anybody out there needs a book, I'm happy to give them a digital download. Not looking um, to to steal share of wallet here. I just want people to start thinking like Spartans and uh, getting ahead in life.
1: Great. Joe, I've had a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for giving us your time. I had fun. We're going to do a big real estate gathering on the farm. It's going to be I'm awesome. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. All right. All right. Cheers, Joe. Thank you.